We continue our sermon series on the cross for Lent with this passage from Mark. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed. And after three days, rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Jesus called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who love their life, lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of the Father with the holy angels. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Do you really mean thanks be to God for that scripture? I mean, it's a tough one. It is a tough one. Um, Peter rebukes Jesus at the beginning of this passage. Uh, You know, to rebuke, it's a word we don't use a lot anymore. Uh, It means um, you're on the wrong road. Get on the right road. Stop and desist what you're doing. I have been rebuked here. I was rebuked at Morning Blend about 12 years ago. A group of people from a conservative church east of Columbus visited our service, and after my sermon on the grace of God for all, They rebuked me. They wondered how I could preach about God's grace to LGBTQI persons. They um, didn't think God's grace was for those people. I knew I was rebuked because they said, You have been rebuked. Do you understand that we have rebuked you? And I said, yes, I understand that. They wanted to get me on the right path. I would say that Peter rebuked Jesus for three reasons, to get him on the right path. First, he didn't want Jesus to be crucified. He didn't want Jesus to put himself in harm's way. We don't want that for anybody we love. Second, Peter probably figured if Jesus is going to let that happen to him, then the crowd will do that to Peter too. 
If they crucified Jesus, they could crucify Peter. And three, to talk about suffering and the cross is not a good way to get followers. If you're starting a new church, you probably don't do it that way. Those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. They knew about crosses. They knew about crucifixions. When Clarence Jordan translates this passage in the Cotton Patch Gospel, he doesn't speak of crucifixion. He talks of lynching. Jesus is going to be lynched. Crucifixion was a punishment that the Romans inflicted on lawbreakers, on those who were causing insurrection. It was a way of controlling the people and keeping them under Rome's thumb. Crucifixions were humiliating. The victim usually was stripped naked. It was a way of shaming the person. There was a lot of suffering involved in a crucifixion. And it was public humiliation. People can be cruel to each other. And crucifixion is one of the lowest ways people can be cruel to each other. Crosses were to be avoided. And Jesus talks openly about being crucified. It's as if Jesus is saying, we're getting serious now. The days of the miracles, the days of the teaching are over. The time of glory is over. We're moving into a period of suffering. We're moving into a period of discipleship. I'm asking you to get off the sidelines and into the action. Over the centuries, the cross has been domesticated and crucifixion has been domesticated. We see the cross in jewelry. We see cross tattoos. We see the cross in stained glass windows. Jesus might have died on a cross, but not me. And when we talk of cross bearing, we talk about it with resignation and a sigh, as if it's something to be endured. Well, we all have our crosses to bear, don't we? And cross-bearing can cover everything from very ordinary stuff, like, I've got this callus that's really bothering me. Well, the AC's not working. We've got to bear our cross. You know, the mail's always late. We've got to bear our cross. My partner just doesn't pick up after herself. That's my cross to bear. 
It can also be very serious stuff. I just lost my job. I've just been diagnosed with heart disease. It's tragic. While there are Bible passages that apply to the tragic events of our life and give us comfort, the call to bear our cross does not refer to the events I just mentioned. In fact, to refer to those events as cross-bearing is dismissive, and it makes God look like a sadist that God makes these things happen in our lives. The cross-bearing that Jesus describes is the suffering that comes into our lives when we make choices for the kingdom of God and for Jesus and for the gospel. These choices for the kingdom are voluntary and they're optional. These choices that we make for the kingdom are moving from a passive faith to an active faith. And they're moving to a proactive faith. Jesus calls his disciples and the crowd to him. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. I mean, think of this as a recruiting pitch. If any of you want to play baseball, if any of you want to be in the opera, if any of you want to go to college, if any of you want to have this job, Jesus isn't making anybody do anything. However, if you want to play on the baseball team, if you want to sing in the opera, if you want this job, if you want to go to college, you have to set aside time. You have to practice. You have to rehearse. There are certain conditions. If you want to be my followers, here are the conditions. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. I mean, you've got to hand it to Jesus here. He's not deceiving anybody. He's not lying. He's not seducing. He's not tricking anybody. He's upfront and honest. He doesn't ask anything of his followers that he doesn't ask of himself. What is it to bear one's cross? That's a choice we make for the kingdom of God. It's what we do to make the kingdom of God a reality in this world. It certainly involves love. It certainly involves connection to something bigger than ourselves. It knows what the kingdom of God is. It's often public. Crucifixions tended to be public. Martin Luther King said, there's no such thing as secret discipleship. For either the secrecy will destroy the discipleship or the discipleship will destroy the secrecy. People see it. Bearing one's cross is putting ourselves at risk for the kingdom. It's putting ourselves out there for the kingdom. 
It's going that second mile and getting out of our comfort zone. When Jesus rebukes Peter, he says, you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human. His complaint is that Peter is not seeing what God wants the world to be. and what it takes to make it that way. It's just like the group that interrupted Morning Blend 12 years ago. They weren't seeing what God wants the world to be, a world of full inclusion. Suffering is not the goal of discipleship, but it may be the consequence. The world suffers. We know the world suffers. And to address that suffering sometimes involves our suffering. Graham Greene in the novel, The End of the Affair, I like Graham Greene novels because they're short. In that, in that, The End of the Affair, one of the characters says, I could have saved her but I didn't want to suffer. He didn't want to take the time. He didn't want to be inconvenienced. He didn't want to enter into her suffering. He didn't want to participate in the suffering of the world. When one risks, one denies oneself. One puts something else ahead of self. And the risk can be physical, it can be reputation, it can go against the mainstream, it can go against the tribe and the culture, it can face persecution and humiliation. What is cross-bearing? Well, it's Martin Luther. Here I stand, I can do no other. It's John Wesley facing the persecution of the crowds when he began to preach publicly. It's Martin Luther King. It's Harriet Tubman. It's John Lewis. Colleen talked about John Lewis last Sunday when they tried to talk him out of marching. I'm going to march. We could face opposition. I'm going to march. Could be Colin Kaepernick. It could be Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Risky. There have been women in the United Methodist Church who take up their cross for full inclusion of women as ministers and face ridicule. There have been LGBTQI persons in the United Methodist Church who take up their cross and face ridicule and ostracism for full inclusion. There are other ways we, we show taking up our cross 
speaking up when somebody is making a sexist or racist joke. Eating in the junior high lunchroom with someone who has been shunned and considered odd. Crossing the aisle to the other side. Forgiving someone. Apologizing. The eighth and ninth steps in a 12-step program. Making a list of those we have offended and then going to them to make amends. Voting against my self-interest for what's good for the community and for the environment. Cross-bearing varies by our context. Jesus says, those who lose their life for my sake and for the gospel shall save their life. What does that saving look like? I think that saved life of the crossbearer looks like somebody who has found peace, who has found freedom who is able to live with themselves, who has discovered the presence of God with them. In the United Methodist Church, it is still a violation of the discipline to do same-sex marriages. Ministers can be punished for that. I wrestled with doing same-sex marriages and about six years ago started them doing them in our sanctuary. It was a way of carrying my cross for reconciliation, for the kingdom, for the gospel. That the gospel is about reconciliation and let's do it. I wrestled with that, but I was not prepared for how I would feel after I did it. I felt tremendous peace. I felt free for the first time in years. I felt I could live with myself, and I felt a joy and the presence of Christ in my life. That, to me, was saving my life. We wrestle with cross-bearing, and we should. It shows our faith is alive. It shows Jesus is alive. It shows that God is real. It shows we are wrestling with what it means to be a disciple. We acknowledge a call to get off the sidelines and to be part of the action. Peter wrestled, 
Jesus wrestled. Peter wanted Jesus to take the cross out of discipleship and out of Christianity. How different Christianity would be without the cross. Would the world ever have known the full love of God without the cross? That's what the cross is. It's sharing the love of God in a suffering world. May it be so. Amen.